And welcome, everyone, to another edition of the News and Observer's ACC Now podcast. I am your temporary host for the week, Andrew Carter. I do things at the NNO. No one is quite sure what those things are. But this week, it's hosting the ACC Now podcast, which I'm honored to do. And I'm grateful to be joined by uh, our columnist extraordinaire, Luke DeCock. Hello, Luke, and welcome to the show. Hello, Andrew. How are you? And I am well. And is it true that you, in fact, right at this very moment of recording this week's podcast, you're on the way to Greensboro? Can you confirm or deny that report? That is that is a fact. I will confirm that report. Yeah, no, I'm uh, I'm heading out there to talk to all the teams that uh, are lucky enough to play on Tuesday. I, I honestly, I don't know. I, uh, it, it, right, we hadn't had like nine goodbyes from Mike Bray. I would go out there just to talk to Mike Bray, but um, I am curious, and I, I think I'm 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 as we speak pivoting in in what I'm going to write. Interesting. Uh, I really I really think Virginia Tech has a chance to really upend. Uh, the proverbial apple cart in Greensboro. I mean, this is a team that was in the top 25 for a good chunk of the first part of the season, had some injury issues, obviously won it last year. I, I feel like for, a, I think, a 13 seed, Virginia Tech is a very dangerous 13 seed and an ACC that was pretty compressed top to bottom. Um, I would have said uh, up until about an hour ago that there were only four teams with a chance to win the ACC tournament Virginia Tech wasn't one of them and I, I don't know that they can win five games in five days I don't know that anyone can but uh, I think Virginia Tech has a chance to end Mike Bray's career uh, send NC State to the NIT send UNC to the NIT oh, um, gracious. I mean if you look at I, I, I mean, obviously I am driving but that, to my recollection that's how the bracket is the bra- I'm looking at the bracket that is indeed the bracket so that's a lot that's a lot that uh Virginia Tech could do in a in a three day span. So they could I, send Clemson to the NIT too. Yeah, very much so. There's another one. So yeah, I mean Virginia Tech has the the opportunity here to then lose in the title game and go to the NIT as well, and basically cost the ACC like drop the ACC from seven bids to four or six bids to three or some nonsense like that. I'm just envisioning um, you right now saying this is like you know it's that meme of what is it Grover from Sesame Street with the flames and. That's that's like the ACC in this scenario, like Virginia Tech just yeah. coming in and and lighting Greensboro aflame. Yeah, the the fire girl who I think ended up going to UNC eventually. Uh, yeah, so very much that meme. I, at one point, I had someone, and I can't remember who I would give credit if I could remember during the Bizdelic era, Photoshop uh, Ron Wellman's face over the girl's face. <laughs> so it was Ron Wellman standing in front of a burning house as as the basketball program went down the tubes and. Football it was in the the you know sort of the the end of the Jim Grobe era and obviously recovered nicely, um, you know. That, but anyway, that man. All right. I love, well, I love Ron. Ron's great, but man, things were not so hot at Wake at that. Not not so hot. Maybe in a literal like burning it down sense to continue the theme. Um, well, I would be sad if if Mike Bray's ACC career, at least Notre Dame version of it, he's indicated he might continue coaching. I don't know. You might know better than me on that front, like whether he sticks in it or goes someplace else eventually uh, or whatever. But I'm hoping he sticks around for a couple days. But if it does end for Mike Bray on Tuesday night in Greensboro, where does Mike Bray go? Assuming, and granted, in the real world, they're probably going back to South Bend. But in our fantasy, yes. hang out with Mike Bray in Greensboro world, where would you take Mike Bray 
to celebrate the end of his ACC tenure in Greensboro? Well, I think Mike Bray might do this anyway, because after he, his final home game at Notre Dame, where they won, he, uh, he, he, he went to uh, the linebacker, famous Notre Dame bar that he'd never been to before. He was doing shots with his student section. So anything is possible here. And look at last year, Georgia Tech lost. Josh Pastor hung around for like two days sitting in the end zone watching basketball and texting because I, I asked him about it. We, we even recorded a podcast. You can go back and listen to it. I said, why are you still here? And he said, I'm going to stay as long as my wife lets me or something like that because I just want to <laughs> sit here and watch basketball because he's just, I mean, Josh Pastor of all people is a basketball nerd at heart. But so I, I would say that, that Notre Dame loses on Tuesday. Um, you know, I could see Mike Bray Maybe, I don't know what he would do Tuesday night. I think you've got to take care of your team then. But uh, maybe not flying back with the team. Stick around Wednesday for, you know, maybe the, uh, lunch at, uh, lunch at uh, Stamies. Yeah, and then okay. maybe some drinks, dinner and drinks at Pasta Melodies. Possibility and then, epic. You know, yes. thrashing media hospitality in about 1030. Media hospitality, um, there's a brewery across the road. Uh, not sure how good it is. Steel Hands, I think there was a different one three years ago during the COVID year, and I think yeah, that it was place, Natty, it was, yeah, it was Natty Green, and that and it closed. Sadly, um, so yeah, and there was no hospitality in, in 2021, uh, as far as I remember. Literally, tournament 2021, and then uh, yes, anyway, that's uh, that's neither neither here nor there. But that that and then Mike Bray, you know, whatever he does on Thursday. That's I, I don't know, but I could see him sticking around Friday, especially with with the Big Four playing. Um, you know, with with so many of the North Carolina teams playing Friday, I, I could see him. Or I'm sorry, Wednesday, I could see him sticking around to kind of kind of see what's up. Who knows what days these are anymore with this event? I have no, I have no idea. Like, and I, I, I think I'm still, I'm still hardwired to think of the championship game as being Sunday. Yes, like that's that, still yes. my, my, and then I get it. Like I'm, I'm, I'm. You know, I'm not operating under that assumption for real, but there's always sort of a a part of me that's like panicked that oh crap, we got to go straight for the title game to the selection show on Sunday again, even though yes. we don't anymore. Like when making Sunday plans, or I, I'm not going to stay in Greensboro Friday night. I'll come home after the Friday night games and go back Saturday because there's nothing to do all day Saturday as part of that new schedule. Which, as I'm sure we're going to talk about later. I think is one of the things that has hurt Greensboro as a tournament site is the fact that in Charlotte and in Washington and in Brooklyn, uh, with this new schedule where there's two games Friday night, one game Saturday, and they're all in the wee hours of the evening instead of at noon and two, uh, there's just the, the, the feeling of having somewhere to go and something to do is so much more important than it used to be. And Greensboro, you know, God love them. They, they can't compete on that front. They just can't. It's not. It's not, it's not being in downtown DC. It's not being in downtown Charlotte. I'm sorry, uptown Charlotte. Uh, it's not being in Brooklyn. Um, you know, and, and, and yeah, you don't get the same atmosphere and environment in New York, but you're in New York and it's not like you're going to suffer for things to do on, on Saturday afternoon. So, um, anyway, that's, that's all it is really rambling on. Only so many times you can take a lap around the Four Seasons Mall, uh, or go to (laughs) Stamey, or go to Stamey's. Uh, or go downtown. I mean, there's downtown Greensboro. It's come along a little bit. It's better than it used to be. More things in terms yeah. of restaurants. Yeah, for sure. But no one stays there. True. True. No, you're right. It does hurt. Uh, but getting back to Tuesday. All right. So we could possibly have 
the farewell to Mike Bray. But that's not it. I mean, depending on what happens between Florida State, Georgia Tech, I could see that being the last game maybe for Leonard, the last game possibly. We don't know what's going to happen with Josh Pastor. I don't know. Like, if you're a Georgia Tech person, yeah. whether whether maybe you're ready to move on from the Pastor ever. Louisville probably still too early, even though they were a complete disaster for a coaching change uh, this year. But especially look at Leonard. Uh, and, you know, kind of he's a bit of a sentimental favorite for me, I think, for a lot of folks who have covered the league for a long time just because he's an interesting character. He has some deep North Carolina roots. Um, would be sad if it was the end of his tenure. But what are your thoughts on on that possibility? It could be the end of an era down at Florida State. Yeah, that was actually kind of my original thought for Tuesday was that was this the farewell to three ACC championship coaches. Um, Bray, Hamilton, Pastner, although one of them obviously is, is going to survive to some degree. Yes, I agree. Kenny Payne is is going to get a chance to turn things around there. Mike Young isn't going anywhere. Um, I can't even remember who the sixth coach is. Boston College is a new guy. Yeah, and, and Earl Grant isn't going anywhere. I, mean, he's, I think he's done a really nice job with that program and the time he's been there. You can see the, the upward trajectory and the, the competitiveness there. So that that's fine. But yeah, three guys have all won ACC championships, two of them in Greensboro. Uh, and, and you know, uh, Leonard, you know, we've talked for a long time about how Leonard is sort of ageless and, you know, looks 30 years younger than he really is. I thought okay. this year, maybe because of the Bob and Miller situation and all the injuries, yeah. it was the first year he started to maybe show his aging hair. Started to show it, yeah, a little bit. You could yeah. tell a little bit. Which, I don't mean that in any pejorative way. I just, just sort of observationally, you know, we we all we all have that moment where it, it, it the accumulation sort of weighs on you. So no, I mean, I I don't have any inside information on his future. I know people have talked about the possibility that this might be his last year. Um, it wouldn't surprise me if it was. It was a difficult year. Um, he's not that far removed from you know a deep deep run in the tournament in 2018. Um, you know, there is, there is, and, and, and he, he would leave that program, I think in good shape, depending on what direction they wanted to go with hiring. But, um, you know, if, 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 if Leonard has decided he's had enough and he has other interests outside of basketball, um, you know, he's got his own gospel label. Um, he's a, he's a poly, he's a polymath. He's got, he's got a lot going on, but I lost sense, man. Yeah. To your, to your point, I would absolutely miss him, miss having him around. I mean, I don't think he's necessarily as quotable about as Mike Bray about everything, but he always has thoughts. Uh, and he's always, you know, he's always grumpy when no one's talking to him and, and may, likes to make a big deal out of that at media days or whatever. Or I do, you know, but I do, I do know, you know, think he enjoys it. And, and, uh, yeah, I think he likes, he's a guy who really enjoys coaching in the ACC because he grew up with it and has really done a remarkable job at Florida. I, I think the hardest thing for him has been, you know, when you're, when your program is built around sort of older guys and you throw in some, some Juco guys, which not all ACC schools can do, but he does very well with. And then you throw in, you know, the occasional sort of lottery pick freshman and he's had a lot of those over the years. Um, you know, that's sort of been his formula. And, they just didn't have a lot of those pieces this year. They didn't have those fourth and fifth year guys who were who were real studs. Uh, they didn't have that sort of lottery pick brush. I mean, Matthew Cleveland's a really nice player. I mean, he's the one whose talent level is kind of commensurate with what you would expect from Florida State. 
Um, but you know, there's always, there was, uh, you know, there's Raekwon Evans or whoever, there was always that guy who sort of came on late in his career and helped launch them to the, the next level. And this team didn't really have that. They didn't have, uh, you know, that, that freshman who was going to go in the top 15, 16. So then Georgia Tech, I mean, you and I probably say the same thing. I mean, they're, they're only two years removed from an ACC title, but it's not like they've been going to the NCAA tournament or no. being close to 500 in the ACC year after year. And, and you know, Georgia Tech had some turnover. If, if, if that was a school that wanted to go a different direction, I I don't think Josh Pastner playing at this point. You know, he, he just, that program was, I think the most damning indictment of of everything is that they won an ACC title and they just were not able to build on it at all, either in terms of program momentum or recruiting or transfers. Um, you know, they just that 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 was not a springboard to anything. The last two years have been more like what the other years have been like, and I think that's probably when you're an AD, you kind of say, okay, well, we, yeah, we do we need to look about that doing something. So, it's, you know, Josh Pastor, another entertaining guy, will say anything, wants to live to 120, and, you know, you should be in the Hall of Fame, Andrew, and, and you know, any pain should be in the Hall of Fame for what he's done at Louisville this year. And, should be, um, for sure. All, all, all of that, you know, the, the Josh Pastor experience. But I think, you know, when you look at what's happened since 2021, you, there's certainly an argument to be made there. We'll always have the face mask and, and the Zoom calls with Josh Pastner. And it's fitting he won the ACC tournament that particular year where, you know, frankly, let's be honest, he could look like as goofy as possible. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he admitted later on that he, he did it just for the, I mean, he's basically doing it for the memes, kids would say. Like, yeah, he, no, he's he just doing it. I score it because it was, I knew it looked stupid and, and we had to wear something, and and uh, I said, well, if I if I had to wear something, let me wear the thing that looks the dumbest. And he was yes. in on in on the joke, and the poor battered, beat up face shield by the you know I have a, a video still of him from the post ACC tournament game, and he's wearing the thing, and it's you know dented and scratched and cloudy, <laughs> you know it's like the windshield of a seventy two Buick, and it uh just you know anyway i i respected his commitment to the gag right anyone who's that committed to any gag i have the ultimate respect for put that thing in the acc hall of champions in greensboro it should be in a museum somewhere uh you know yeah. pa- pastor's face mask um it's a championship face mask it, it's 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 earned entry <laughs> so I, we'll come back to the coaches here in a bit, but I wanted to get your thoughts. And I wrote about this uh, a little bit in a story that published in the NNO in print on Sunday, went up online on Friday, uh, you know, just kind of about the state of the tournament itself as an event, um, also kind of intermingling with Greensboro's role as, you know, being the headquarters of the ACC for so long, that relationship is coming to an end. Obviously, the tournament, we all know is going to be back in Greensboro. Uh, the ACC kind of fleeced the state of North Carolina for $15 million in incentives uh, to keep the headquarters in North Carolina. It's going to go to Charlotte uh, over the summer. You know, the tournament has to be in North Carolina four times over what, the next 10 years? Uh, twice. Years. Yeah, whatever. Twice. Yeah. twice a, you know, two of those at least in Greensboro. And I don't know, like, and Luke, we've talked about this a lot offline, but the fact that this event is not what it was, it's certainly not the event that I remembered as a kid, like is a, re- a reflection of 
in your mind, like the football first nature of college athletics, where it's become like football is the only thing that matters. And I think another element too is, you know, college basketball is a little bit on a downswing with transfer portal and this and that. It's difficult to kind of know who's on rosters year to year. Just what do you make of this event? Like, I, I feel like this is, it's at a weird, I'm not going to say turning point because I feel like it's been like this for a bit, but what do you make of just the significance uh, and the relevance of the ACC tournament in 2023? Well, I think you can say that it's not what it was without getting all sepia toned and nostalgic about it, which, which some people do. I mean, I think the biggest change for me between what the ACC tournament is now and what it was you know, 20 years ago is 20 years ago when it was a 19th league, you would have eight of the nine fan bases. The ninth fan base would usually stick around too because they'd pay for their tickets to, to come and play in the Les Robinson Invitational on Thursday night. But you would have all eight fan bases slash nine fan bases in the building on Friday and everybody would go to all four games. And it was doable. You could, it, it was a Friday, Saturday, Sunday event. So you could take the time off in advance and know you were going to be there for a max of three days, uh, you you knew it wasn't showing up on Wednesday and watching four games and Thursday and watching four games and Friday and watching two games. Like, yeah. It was a bite-sized, uh, uh, consumable event where you knew you were going to see seven basketball games in three days. You were going to party with the same people. You were going to go out to dinner on, on Saturday. You, know, you were going to drive home Sunday night and listen to the selection show on the radio. Uh, you know, there was a, a familiarity and a routine to it. And it was, you know, what made the ACC tournament different and what doesn't make it different from every other conference tournament now is that set of circumstances made it a, a, a convention slash reunion slash family gathering. It, it, it made it, it linked the ACC schools and their fans together in a way that you didn't see in other conferences because that tournament was such an event that everybody went to and you would see the same people year after year and you would buy the ticket books off the same people year after year. And and to say that and to say that it doesn't have that now, in fact, it has almost none of that now, isn't indulging in nostalgia or seeing people. It's just a fact and circumstance that you can talk about why and how and all of that. But the reality is Clemson fans don't feel connected to Virginia fans in the way that they once did that was part of what made the ACC the ACC at one time. And nobody feels connected to Pitt or Syracuse uh, or, or or to, you know, I think Virginia Tech fans have really fought in the ACC, uh, but, or Boston College fans, you know, it's just, and, and they don't feel connected to the ACC, which is why we've had these fights about moving the conference off. So we've had these, you know, that we, we don't have a tournament site for 2025 yet, which is not that far away. Uh, because these disputes become sort of, you know, section uh, um, secular, and they become secretariat, and and it, you know, you get these alliances of old school ACC schools and schools that want to move up in football. I, you know, and think yes. they're better than they are in the case of Florida State, uh, and and then the former Big East schools, which do you know don't vote as a block necessarily, but certainly share a lot of the same values. Uh, you know, the desire to play the conference tournament, you know, would prefer to play the conference tournament in Brooklyn over Greensboro. Where that hurts Greensboro, and in particular, as we talked about earlier, is one, going to night games, it really does 
place a priority of putting the tournament somewhere where there are non-basketball things to do in the area where you stay. You know, you need to create that sort of diversion for fans. And Greensboro uh, has a lot of great things going for it. But if you're staying at a mall next to the highway uh, and you have to drive to the kind of the five minutes to the Coliseum because there's no public transit, you are very disconnected from the place where you're staying and in a way that you're not in Brooklyn and, and Charlotte and, and Washington. And, you know, the advantage that Greensboro has over those other places is once you are in the building, the experience is better, the atmosphere is better, the games are better. Um, almost all of the really great tournaments have been played in Greensboro. Um, although recently, I think you could argue that 2019 was in Charlotte was as good as, as any of them. That was pretty good. Point being... When you get away from that one day where everyone's together mentality, the atmosphere in the building matters less because you might only be there on a Tuesday when there's no one there, or you might come in on Wednesday, your team loses and you leave and you never even see the teams, the fans of the teams that come in Thursday, you know, the atmosphere in the building becomes less of a priority because people aren't going to stick around for multiple days, multiple games. Uh, You know, they're going to show up when their team's there and they're going to leave when the loses and you're never going to see, you know, Virginia play whoever in the semis. I, I think that's all. I don't think you can blame football for any of that. Uh, expansion had to happen regardless of the the new commissioner's, uh, you know, focus on football. I, I don't think that's worth the ACC tournament. Um, it, it's, it's just sort of a function of where college athletics have gone and taken the ACC. And if this were still a a nine-team league or an eight-team league or even even to a certain extent a 12-team league uh, where you could get everything done on in, in four days, uh, then I think it's different because you do have more people sticking around. You do have more interaction between the fan bases. But you just, you don't have any now. And I think that's really what distinguished the ACC tournament from all the others. And when you take that away, you know, what's the difference between the ACC tournament and the Big East tournament and the SEC tournament and a conference USA tournament, the Mountain West tournament. There, there's none. It's just, it's just another thing you've got to travel to, and it doesn't have that sort of ceremony or tradition or feeling behind it. And and that, you know, is is an unfortunate consequence of changes in college athletics. Yeah, I feel like it's just kind of an identity less event today, a little bit, like to a large extent. Just feel like the tournament has lost what what made it special and unique and you hit on pretty much everything i will say greensboro could solve all of its problems in terms of lack of things to do around the arena not enough late night spots maybe after a game ends where people can hang out you know what they got to do is they got to bring back hams problem solved you bring back hams and all you know all of this consternation and and talk about not enough things to do around the Coliseum just goes away. It went all downhill after that ham. This went out of business, which I think was, do I remember the last tournament I went to where hams was a part of it? I think it was gone by 15. I can't remember. Maybe 12, 13. Um, but anyway, that's, that's my ode to hams. We miss it. Uh, it was great. Um, Luke, I wanted to get your thoughts on, and we talked about this offline as well, um, in terms of the storylines that I think, you know, would, would most interest us uh, as, you know, as a pair of journalists who have covered this thing over the years. And the ACC has been 
a little bit down, we can say, maybe more than a little bit down. Uh, and last year, I think that was maybe disproven um, throughout, uh, you know, throughout March, really last year, where he had some, you know, some teams make runs that we didn't expect, perhaps. I think this year, the perception could be true. Uh, in fact, that you know the ACC looks bad on paper, and I think it's bad. <laughs> like I think that could be legitimate. But what you know is there anything that the league could do to redeem itself this week, or what would most interest you as an observer? Uh, I'll go first. I mean, to me, I think there's not a whole lot of great storylines entering this event unless Carolina somehow puts it together, which frankly I don't think is going to happen. You know, we've had three months and it hasn't happened. I think Duke making a run and winning this thing would be interesting in Shira's first year. Uh, and I think if NC State somehow could make a run, could get to Friday or Saturday, Saturday especially playing for the championship, um, would have a, a lot of interest. But I want to hear your thoughts. Yeah, I mean, I think it would be good for the tournament in a year in Greensboro if State or, or even Wake were to make some kind of a run. I mean, I think that would just eject a little life into into things um in a way that you know was sort of virginia clemson matchup is is not um you know that look people get angry when the quote carolina media talks about the big four and all that carolina media one of the hello mike farmer uh one of the reasons one of the reasons that we talk about it is because it's true the tournament is better when the north carolina teams are in it and and yeah you did it you know virginia has a great fan base and, um, you know, Virginia Tech, I think, as I said earlier, has really sort of gravitated into the league better than any of the other schools. But the reality is more people care. They have bigger fan bases. They have more fans. They care for reasons we've previously discussed. They care more about the tournament and going to the tournament and being there. So if you have a state or a Wake or a Duke or a Carolina involved in the semifinals um, or multiples, it's going to be better, especially in Greensboro. You know, if you have a Virginia Tech hit, Clemson, Virginia, Final Four, or Miami, um, there's not going to be as many people there, and they're not, not going to care as much. And that's just a reality of where those schools fit in the basketball firmament I, and what, and and their fan bases. Like Miami fans, there, there's a few, but they they are, it's, are they care about football. <laughs> there are, because we saw them the, the year that they that they were really good with <laughs> Reggie them. Johnson and all of that. Oh, those four guys. Yeah, I remember those four guys. Yeah, those, those dudes. Yeah. So, at any rate, you know, I think I, I, I think that that would that's what the tournament needs, and, and hasn't had as much. You know, I mentioned twenty nineteen being a great tournament. Part of that was we got a state or a Duke Carolina semifinal with Zion Williamson coming back for that game when he missed the second one and left the first one early when his shoe broke. So his shoe uh, broke. You know, there's. Good super, um, one of the great moments in ACC history. So, you know, there's a lot. There, there's there's reality to that. And and look, the other fans don't like it, whatever. But you know, Clemson fans are going to travel for a CFB game in a way that they're not for the ACC basketball tournament. That's fine. That's not a value judgment. I'm saying they're bad fans. I mean, I I wouldn't want to watch Clemson basketball either on a regular basis. But Man. generally speaking, there's there's more there's more uh, fan interest. For the big four, and I, and I would say Virginia. I mean, I think Virginia is is in, is at that level uh, than there are for the other schools, and that's when when that was five of the nine schools that made a huge difference. When it's five of fifteen, it doesn't. So I do want to take take on one of the points you made earlier, which is I don't think the ACC was very good last year. 
you know, I think that, True. you know, Duke, Duke was a good team. Miami was a, a team that had a, a, a decent season, but had very good guards and got hot at the right time. And Carolina, over a three-season window, has had one good month. And it just happened to be March 2022. Um, so I want so to get into that. before yeah, we'll, the... we'll get back. We'll get back there. But my, my point being, the ACC lost a ton of bad non-conference games last year. It lost a ton of bad non-conference games this year. Uh, it, it You know, when you go back to 2018, when the ACC had, I believe, is 2017. ACC, I believe, nine teams in the tournament. The ACC didn't lose a non-conference game to a team that had a 10 bomb rating worse than like 118. This year, it lost all of those games and another 20 non-conference games or 12 non-conference games to teams worse than that. So not only are you, you know, look, Virginia Tech lost to Charleston. Great loss. Won't hold it against them at all. NC State lost to Kansas. Um, you know, teams, most of the teams in the league this year, especially Virginia lost to Houston. Most of the teams at the top of the league uh, had had good losses um, and didn't lose games they shouldn't have shouldn't have lost. But Clemson, if Clemson misses the tournament, it's because they lost to South Carolina and Loyola Marymount. Like that's just you can't. Those are games people don't get. This this is the part. Oh, the ACC isn't down. They they get better. Blah blah blah. The ACC didn't used to lose those games. As a rule. The ACC did not lose games like that. It's teams, the baseline level of performance of its teams for a generation, generations, was that it, the obvious upset happens here and there. It did not lose those games on a regular basis. And this year, it lost more than one per team. So that's what sets the bar. That hurts you all year long. It doesn't matter what happens in conference after that. Your baseline has been set. And you say, oh, that's unfair. Is it? Was it unfair when the ACC didn't lose those games and got nine ACC tournament, nine NCAA tournament bids? Because that's why the ACC got nine bids. It's because it didn't lose the South Carolina or Loyola Marymount or any of the other main, any of the other, you know, also mid, you know, not lose to Charleston. Firing. Charleston's a great team. They're going to end up winning 30 games, I think, uh, and, and should get an at-large bid. But, but the ACC, the last two years, and to a lesser extent, 2020, there was some in 2020 and 21. There's a little of this going on, not as much. Uh, the ACC didn't used to lose those kind of games. It loses them now, and that costs you NCAA tournament bids. It really does, and it doesn't matter what happens in conference play to a certain extent. Um, you can you can move that number around a little bit, but you basically set it in in the non-conference. So, an excellent description and explanation as to why out of conference play matters folks it does and why why your net is the way it is and it's not so much maybe a completely flawed metric like a lot of folks assume as it is i mean that's just you know the you laid it out clemson's net is terrible not because the net is biased against clemson clemson's net is terrible because they played a awful non-conference schedule shamefully bad non-conference schedule and then managed to lose some of those games correct all right. So quickly before we before we depart, because of its non-conference strength. So before we depart yes. here, I wanted to get your quick thoughts quickly. Uh, you know, UNC had this great redemption arc last year in Hubert Davis's first season. Not a great team throughout the regular season, although <laughs> like that version of Carolina in the regular season a year ago, like I mean, they make this team look even worse than it is. Uh, this version of UNC. 
what I mean, is this just sort of like maybe a bit of a reflection of the state of college basketball these days in terms of increased parity, maybe more difficult to build teams in a traditional sense? Although you wouldn't have thought that UNC would have that issue this year, given the number of guys they, you know, that, that returned and came back. But if you were to diagnose uh, the issue for that team all year long, what would it be? And, and do you see any kind of miracle, uh, you know, rising from the dead scenario like they did last year? I don't think there's much of a chance. But what are your thoughts? I, I, I disagree. I, th- I think there's a definite chance. And I think that's what makes North Carolina so dangerous is, you know, if I were to diagnose their issues, I would say it's a very streaky shooting team whose parts don't fit all that well together. And, you know, what what we saw last year when Dawson Garcia left the team is all the parts sort of slotted into place and they got better and better. And then they went on an incredible hot streak um, in the NCAA tournament. And I think that's 100 percent possible. Again, it could happen in Greensboro. It could happen if they make the NCAA tournament. They can start at Dayton. If that team gets hot, its weapons are incredible, but they just can't get all of them firing at the same time. And that's been an issue for three years. So. You know, to me, UNC is is like that. It's like a that nuclear bomb that fell outside Goldsboro in the fifties. Uh, <laughs> nothing's probably going to happen. It's going to sit in the earth still, dormant for seventy years. It's still buried in the ground, <laughs> and it's going to happen where it you know blows Wayne County off the map. So I, you know, I, no, I mean, I think North Carolina has the absolute potential to get hot and 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 beat some really good teams, um, which did last year. But I also think that what we've seen over the course of three years is just, for whatever reason, it's is it too many guys who need the ball, or um, you know, just uh, just you know, guys, the roles just aren't quite right. Um, it's it's hard to say. I mean, everybody wants to blame Caleb Love's shot selection, but I think it goes a lot deeper than that. And um, it just it's it just feels like there's something that's that's off there and and it's just it it's you know it's too much salt not enough pepper too much pepper not enough salt uh just something that's not quite right there and i think it has as much to do with just the, the combination of skills and talents and um maybe a team that really needed at some point along the line of sort of pass first point guard to distribute the ball because i think that's what happened when garcia left is suddenly there were more shots to go around and everybody felt better and then they haven't been able to get that sort of mood back this year, in part because Pete Dance isn't Brady Manic, and, and nobody should have expected him to be. But I just feel like those, you know, the, the parts just don't quite fit together right. It's just not bad players, just not necessarily uh, complementary enough to each other. Very good. Well said. Enjoyed the conversation. Last quick thought, and I'm going to put you on the spot. Who's your pick this week in Greensboro? Who do you got? As I said, I had four teams I thought could win it all. I, I'm going to take Miami. I just think that they're playing the best right now. I, it, it would not shock me if Duke or NC State won. I, I think both of those teams. In fact, I, I'm, I'm going to take Duke. I take it back. I think they've grown so much offensively. It's been a good defensive team for some time, but they've grown a lot offensively lately. I think we might see the the full power of the Duke, uh, the Duke Death Star this week in Greensboro. I'm, I'm, I'll take Duke. Well, that was going to be that was going to be my pick. So since you picked Duke, I'll go with State, which basically ensures that State will lose on Wednesday night. Uh, yeah, but, yeah. <laughs> but either way, I enjoyed the conversation. Thank you so much for joining the ACC Now podcast, Luke. I wish you a safe journey to Greensboro today. 
and look forward to working with you and seeing you out there soon. Yeah, yeah, no, well, we'll do this again when when it's my turn goes. (laughs) All right, man. I'll talk to you soon.